Okay, welcome to the 13th episode of our transportation management podcast. This episode is about the transportation management network. And my name is Thomas Quintus. I'm a Scrum Master in the Freight Order Management team. Yeah, my name is Ben Dietrich. I'm also in the Freight Order Management team and I'm a consumer of the transportation network slash geography. Um, of uh, TM, and I try to learn something more about that today. My name is Markus Zahn. Uh, I'm the responsible architect for the transportation network, and some parts of uh, the network have been developed by myself. And I'm Mike Burke uh, with uh, consulting, currently on a fellowship uh, with the development team, and I've worked extensively with uh, both Bernd and, and uh, Marcus on this whole topic in kind of the real world. Yeah. So, very happy to have Mike here as our special guest uh, today. So, maybe let's start from 10,000 feet again. So, oh, that even fits to geography, right? Or transportation network at, uh, <laughs> perspective. Yeah, so what is that transportation network? What is it used for? Why is it relevant? Is it relevant? Um, I always consider the transportation network itself with uh, all of its master data objects as the foundation layer for uh, probably all of the transportation management processes. I mean, you will probably not find a user interface where you don't have an address, which then relates to a location. And if you are going deeper into the TM processes, you kind of need connection information when you're doing the planning or when you're doing charge calculation. So uh, for me, it's a very important part, but maybe Mike can say a few words about that from the customer perspective. <laughs> oh, no, it's, uh, it's critical. It drives all of the planning processes, whether they're manual or, or optimization. Uh, and addresses, of course, are, are critical for all communication with carriers. Um, so yeah, it, it's absolutely the foundation. And charges as well, right? So a lot of transportation charges are also kind of distance or geography related. Remembering that uh, use this cost <laughs> thing exactly. may come to that yep. later. Okay, good. That's I think. So then we can continue with it. So it's relevant, so we can continue with the recording. That's good. Yeah, and maybe one additional word: why it's also relevant. I mean, if you find it in all TM business processes somehow. It's, of course, very performance critical. Since we're talking about mass data, we're talking about a real quick access to that data. And everything that we can do in building the transportation network efficiently will help all of the TM processes. And I think you can set up a lot of things, and you can also set up a lot of things wrong. So That's right. Also part of exactly, <laughs> exactly. We, we had a customer recently in, in the U.S. that uh, defined a network one location, one source location is, is a pilot. Uh, they model it as close to 20,000 lanes. And, and after a bit of redesign and, you know, looking at, a, at a, some lessons learned, a broader picture, we were able to simplify down to a thousand lanes. So it makes a, makes a big difference. So a, a, a clear understanding of all these uh, concepts is, is critical. Okay. Thanks a lot. So sounds like an interesting episode here, huh? Okay. So. We already heard some things like address, etc. So maybe let's uh, look at the involved objects from a high-level perspective, and then in the second round, dive a bit deeper. So what are the things we're going to talk about today? 
Yeah, I think the major cornerstone for the transportation network is, of course, the location. I already mentioned the address. So just imagine you have an order, you type in the address uh, where to deliver the stuff, then that relates and automatically leads to a master data location in TM. Um, and hereby kind of sets the cornerstone, how the process is going to work when you're doing the transportation planning or the charge calculation. So basically the location represents a physical yeah, location. <laughs> yeah, right. So it can re or... represent the warehouse. It can represent the factory or customer location, typically, or transshipment location or hub. Okay. Yeah, we dive a bit deeper yeah. into that one yeah. in the second round anyway. Okay, so that is one basic uh, element. We visit it later again with, uh, with some more details, right? Next thing, what is, uh, what else? Zones, you already mentioned, can be zone. Yeah, right. I mean, within a typical transportation management system, you can have very, very many locations. So, and that makes it kind of complicated to define a complete process since you would need to define the process for each of the involved locations. So that came to the idea or led to the idea to have transportation zones kind of grouping locations together and then enable the definition how the process should run. For example, to transport goods from one region into another region that would have required on location base very, very many connections. But now if you go up a level to the transportation zones, by grouping locations together, you can assign the process relevant attributes just to that zone connection. So basically a zone is a group of locations that belong together geographically. You could simplify. Right. There are different mechanisms mm. to group the locations. So we have, I think, a direct assignment. So just imagine you have all of your facilities and they are distributed all over the country. Mm. Or for example, you have airports and you don't want to figure out uh, what would be the geographical assignment. You can assign them directly to a zone. Then we have the assignment uh, using country and region, which is a very abstract level or a high level, and then uh, to have a more detailed assignment, you can also use postal codes. Okay, I think we dive into that assignment stuff uh, uh, deeper in the second round then, right? First, just, so we are still on 10,000 feet, I think. Do you already now want to mention the zone hierarchy, or do we want to postpone that? Yeah, let's postpone it. First, uh, <laughs> just that we know that we mention all the objects first, and then dive one, then then better can do some cross references. Uh, next thing would be then, you already mentioned that you would combine or connect that uh, zones. And I think for that we would have transportation transportation lanes and or slash, slash or <laughs> uh, trade lanes. Um, right. Mm -hmm. To do a transportation planning, it is of course relevant to tell the system if I can transport goods from location A to location B. In a real-world example, can I transport goods from Mannheim to Hamburg? And um, this can be expressed using transportation lanes. So um, there are some planning-specific attributes attached to that, but we come to that mm -hmm. later. Yeah. Okay. And, I... and 
I mean, it's always confusing to see transportation lanes, which are very planning specific, and trade lanes. Trade lanes are used more for, let's say, capacity and business share management from a very high level perspective. So where you more or less say, uh, I have a contract on that trade lane, which currently does not, which currently does not uh, relate to a planning process. Good. That is so. We now have the single entities, the locations. We covered the grouping of them. We mm -hmm. connected them with transportation lanes and trade lanes. Um, I mean, you already mentioned I can go from Hamburg to Mannheim or vice versa directly. Mm -hmm. That would be the the role of the transportation zone. So, but if I can't go directly, I think we we need more elements to to model that right to be far because I can go also to Chicago or Minneapolis, uh, but bit of a challenge to do that directly, so I would need to cross stock and yeah. Right. What is that? And and since we do not uh, yeah, do a planning using all of the involved locations or available locations, you need to tell the system where you can switch, for example, a truck from a truck to an airplane or from a truck to a ship or vice versa. Mm. Uh, and this is done in the transportation network by defining a transshipment location. I guess our customers would call it a hub. Uh, and there you simply say, if I have a reachability from my start location to that hub, and I, for example, have a transportation lane, I can change the goods there and use a different connection. That could be, for example, a schedule then. Okay. And, and I would just add to that, there's there's also uh, so in, in that type of a move mm -hmm. where there's an ocean uh, movement right with mm -hmm. ports involved, then we have to also talk about the the booking, which isn't necessarily the master data, but it works in conjunction with the transshipment locations and the transportation lanes mm -hmm. to define a complete multimodal multimodal uh, movement. Yeah, I think we, oh. we come to that schedule slash booking slash freight or a slash connection cache thing mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, later if we yep. dive one level deeper. So I think we pretty much, okay, we covered all the object in a, from a 10,000 feet perspective. And since we are in our TM podcast, we dive now deeper, right? So let's go into the location. So what what is it, what I can define in the location in, in a bit more detail and then uh, yeah what maybe mike what is a location versus shipper consignee uh business partner so yeah maybe that's a good starting point for the location right but let's see location what is a business partner and where's the difference yeah um so maybe from just uh practical experience in the field um most customers, certainly all shippers and probably most uh, carriers as well, would start with the master data in ECC in an ERP system, which would consist of vendors, carriers as also vendors, um, customers, plants, shipping points. That's all pretty clear. And when you bring those over to TM, we always want to set the SIF integration model so that it generates a business partner in addition to the to the location. Uh, the location type mapping is is fixed. All customers become location type customers. And uh, there's one small thing on the vendors where carriers come over a little bit differently based on an account group. 
Um, and kind of one confusing point is carriers are no longer visible as a location, only as a business partner, and that's intentional. Um, and then the other thing I just mentioned about the location types is there's way more location types in TM than there are integration from ECC. And, and as we continue to expand uh, additional releases and, and rail, um, that that will continue. Yeah. Um, so that's a, a open point for future discussion. Yeah, sure. and I think it also comes from non-ERP integration customers like our LSPs, which would yeah, which are not bound to the ERP objects, right, Marco? So uh, that that is where that additional location types are coming yep. from, like ports, etc., which has no equivalent in in the ERP world, but in the physical world, and then to, to make that all a bit more yeah real world. Or closer to real world, I think we have that additional location types. Yeah, right, and in in addition, I have to mention that I mean the location type is probably only used in the selection of a location mm -hmm. in some user interface. It is not really steering TM processes. Yeah, I think there are kind of rumors you can see on and off, right? That mm -hmm. okay, do I have to use that location type? It doesn't that work with right. that one? So basically, uh, that is kind of. Uh, how to call it? Uh, future enhancement. Yeah, future enhancement. <laughs> oh, what I mean is, uh, if you think that something depends on the location type, most likely you didn't watch carefully enough or, no. <laughs> or something else was driving it. So, so. And then what, one other really important point is uh, the, the question is for locations that aren't naturally customers or vendors in ECC. And the example I would give would be ports okay. and rail junctions, which are needed in TM. Uh, for various multimodal uh, uh, scenarios, um, it's it'd be a yeah, best practice to set those up as vendor master records in ECC, um, and mainly for some additional functionality that's coming out with uh, what's called a handover location. Um, we're just take a quick example, right? We're going from Chicago to Frankfurt. Um, it's an outbound scenario. And the shipper is responsible for the transportation to the port of Rotterdam. Mm. So we need that Rotterdam location set up and ideally defined in the order in ECC. Mm. <laughs> um, so that once that comes over to TM, we can plan accordingly. Um, the, the other thing I would mention, and again, that kind of distinction between a location and a business partner, because they seem a bit redundant. Um, they're, they're not. And it's very important when the, when you send an order over to, to TM and we build a freight unit, we have a source and destination location, which are the locations. We also have a shipper and consignee, which by default are exactly the same addresses, right? Mm. A bit redundant. But in, in the scenario that I just mentioned where we have, you know, we're planning to a certain point. Mm. Now in the freight unit and, and subsequent documents, the consignee would be um, the the final destination location, but this destination location could be Rotterdam, right? Yeah. And the or consignee construction grounds, I think also an example, exactly. they're really the address is completely decoupled from the address of the yep, and that's an important point for tax for GTS integration. Um, yeah. I think in, in the location itself, uh, what you also can define is things like Opening hours, uh, uh, I think that's also one uh, important point. I don't know, is it part of transportation network geography? But so if you if your customer has certain 
hours where you can deliver or you have a warehouse where you only where you don't work on weekends uh let's say in Waldorf, um then um yeah you will need to model that and you, you can do that in the location i think yeah sure i mean yeah. for, from my perspective that, that is the time dimension of the transportation network so the network does not only Defined from a geography perspective, what is possible, but also from a time perspective. Mm -hmm. So that is uh, a very important attribute of the location. We also have the assignment of handling resources, but that really goes into detail oh, now for the for the plan. The world. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, but mm -hmm. to step uh, to go a little uh, step back, uh, I've think when you are defining the transport uh, the, the transportation object location first you type in the address or it comes using the ERP integration and out of that address uh, we determine a position so uh, a geocoding is run by default this is on not so high accuracy but if you have a external system attached we define a position which relates then to a longitude and latitude uh, coordinate and this is really crucial from a, per a performance perspective but also from a planning perspective to in the later process to have accurate planning results so this is really a key topic where any customer should think about okay so we we not only have an address but we also can geocode mm -hmm. that longitude latitude for i mean first thing to display it on a map not uh, uh, Where is it? Uh, just before Africa, right? The zero zero mm -hmm. location. So GIS is not set up. Typically, there's a lot of locations uh, in Atlantic Ocean before Africa. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I think that is a topic in its own to to go into detail. Um, the GIS setup, but very high level, you can connect to different providers. Do we deliver any standard uh, geocoding or what level of standard geocoding yeah we so deliver standard geocoding level on country region basis mm. so to at least have a coordinate which mm. is not in the atlantic ocean um, but this is if you have a high demand for a good planning process uh, definitely not sufficient but we can cover that yeah. in a okay future podcast and so we, we have the address we have the location type We have it geocoded. We already said we have the opening hours uh, defined. By the way, they are can bit in the directly defined using a resource handling resource for inbound and outbound. Yep. You already mentioned you can even define um, that you have a finite capacity in in terms of parallel trucks uh, that you can unload, right? So if I uh, if my yeah Mike maybe mm. typical use case we have a customer in North America that has a constraint at their uh, shipping facility based on loading capacity. So they'll enter in orders and, you know, just based on, uh, yeah, random scheduling, they'll have way more trucks to ship on a day than they can actually load um, and, and ship out. So by putting a loading uh, resource calendar on the shipping point, um, it will then constrain that And it will actually shift out then um, loads to a subsequent day that has capacity. If you use scheduling, I think that is also important. If you use scheduling. Yeah, so that you exactly. get the master data part of it. Then you use scheduling. Otherwise, uh, you yeah can yeah. go into trouble as well. Yeah. And, and then the question, which customers get priority if there's too much on one day? And that, yeah, that gets yeah. into 
But yeah. talking about the network, you would define network, it uh, yeah, on a location. Exactly. I think you can even define it per means of transport strategy for truck. You would have different capacities exactly. versus right. rail versus air. Yep. <laughs> if you fly in. Okay. Then uh, we talking the location. I think there is one, two more things uh, relevant. That is the UN location codes and the IATA uh, location codes. Just briefly, how does that relate? I mean, this is very mode specific. I mean, there are international codes defining uh, a location identifier, sort of. Uh, for air, that is the IATA code, and more for the ocean process, this is the UNLO code. I mean, the UNLO code is generally used for very, very many locations, but in TM, it's probably only relevant for the ocean process. Um, you can integrate that from external sources and store such codes in the TM customizing and then when maintaining a location as master data object, you can assign such a code to the location and then within TM user interfaces, for example, the forwarding order, you can then not only select the location by its ID, but also by such an alternative identifier mm. like the IATA code. Mm. So typically uh, air dispatcher for bookings, doesn't know a master data ID and just wants to type in uh, the IATA code because he knows that, and then the location automatically pops up. Mm. And I think for the UN low code, it's also kind of a grouping of locations. So like a typical <laughs> one, our example is always US Chicago with its Bushi, US CHI, right? Which is obviously not only one location, but yeah. a lot of locations, but people would know where that is. Yeah. But all, very important here, uh, TM is not delivered with any content for such uh, location codes. So there's always a requirement if you want to use that uh, in your scenario, you need to check where to get the data from and how to integrate that into the system. Good. Enough for locations? Or? Yeah, yeah. From a, let's say, 10,000 <laughs> food perspective. Then uh, still on thousand foot, but now going to the zones and how to define them and how not to define them. Uh, yeah, we already said a zone is a grouping of locations. So yeah, maybe Mike, maybe can you, from your experience, describe a typical zone setup for North America? So what, yeah, what it, kind of so zones for, Yeah, so for maximum flexibility, and I'll, I'll talk truck uh, primarily because the other modes have uh, slightly different concepts. But with North American truck, um, contracts with carriers or contracts between shippers and carriers are typically negotiated in terms of what carriers am I, am I going to assign and what rate um, will I have on a particular lane is contracted at the most granular level, which is more the exception, but, but still uh, relevant, is a five-digit postal code level. Um, five digits postal code means so it's US and then US. all five. You have five digits in the US, right? There's, okay, a, there's it nine. To, it goes to nine. It goes like to nine. Nine is almost a specific address. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it, it, mm -hmm. it can be that, yeah, depending upon the geography and the complexities uh, of, of the carrier and that network, could be negotiated at that level. What's very common is at three digit postal code level, mm -hmm. which is a bigger geography. Um, so a lot of, a lot of shippers will negotiate with carriers. In other words, they'll, uh, bid and, and, hmm. and negotiate rates and, and carriers, um, at, at that level. 
And, and then what we also see at a number of uh, shippers, again, not as common as the three to three would be state to state, hmm. um, which is again, e- even, even a bit higher. Um, so we, we define a, a zone hierarchy, which goes and, and what's also fairly common is a level in between the three and the state is a kind of split state. But the key, the key point there is for planning purposes, transportation lane determination. When you are defining zones with a zone hierarchy in play, it's absolutely critical to define the geographic definition of the zone, which is if you go into a zone, you can define it either individual locations, which is not best practice, or based on either uh, postal code ranges or based on region. Right. Okay. So it's important that you only define the geographic definition, I mean the postal code range or the region at the zone at the lowest level in the hierarchy. Hmm. And then the higher level zones you just define with empty geo- geographic information. And then you build them up in the hierarchy, hmm. in the transportation zone hierarchy. And that often gets missed okay. uh, because you, you won't get reliable results. In other hmm. words, the transportation lane determination could deliver a random result and deliver a lane at a higher level. Yeah. Um, so maybe so. Um, I think we uh, should, since that is so important, maybe let's go mm-hmm. to that example step by step. So let's, I have a location and it's assigned to a five-digit zip code, three-digit, etc. So what would yeah. I need? So we already have our location. We sifted from ERP, yep. right? It has an address in the US. Exactly. So what's next? So, so then I would I would define if, if I want to have that kind of maximum flexibility with mm. the zone hierarchy with five, three state level. Um, I would define all of my five digit postal code lanes, typically with the naming convention, us dash underscore state code dash, and then postal code, same with Canada, Mexico. Um, so first would I, in that zone, I would create a location for it. Nope. Or just the zone just itself. The zone itself. Yep. Okay. And that's a kind of a, confusing point as well because technically it creates a location behind the scenes uh, which can no longer be viewed within the location transaction mm. but it's just a zone okay so right. technically it's a location i think in the old days and tpvs days it was also right. visible but now yeah you, you got to be careful there because some <laughs> some people are tempted to go into the old scm transaction and ah maybe that's also enrich it there with geo coordinates and that's that's not the Okay. The, the Maybe that's a very good point. I think right. uh, if you go into TM transportation network, since we are based on SCM basis, the old the SCM basis master data is also kind of accessible. And the transactions. In the transactions. But don't but use them. Exactly. So yep. you always go through a TM pass, and then you would see the data that also is used in TM. And yep. okay, yes. And Otherwise, it can cause troubles. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, in that case, you would define your five-digit postal code zones mm. when you define your three-digit and state level. Maybe, okay, let's finalize that. So we, we defined, we, we were at the naming convention, we have a name for that five-digit zone. So yeah. how would I now define that it's, that all locations, or what other locations yeah. that fall into that zone? Yeah, within the zone, there's a tab. There's mm. three different tabs, like individual locations, postal code, and, and region. You go to mm. the postal code tab and put in the, the range. Okay, the postal code range. So if it's a if the postal code is Chicago six zero one zero one, at the five digit level, I would put in six zero one zero one. Yep, that's it. And then at the destination or on the 
two range of the postal code 60101-9999 to, to make sure that we you know, pick up the, the nine digit postal codes. And one important thing to mention here is that uh, we added the flexibility to also exclude uh, locations from a transportation zone to add a geographical definition, for example, like Mike just explained, using postal codes, and then to exclude specific locations. So just imagine you want to have, use that transportation zone only for customer locations, but not for your own facilities. You can, and you know your facility location, of course, uh, then you can exclude that and it will not be considered during the transportation planning and the transportation lane determination itself. So we had that request from several requirement, uh, from several customers, but uh, it of course adds some complexity in understanding your transportation network. So you can include, we have that three, three options, so we already find it per zip code. <coughs> Then region, I think that will be very similar. So you define a country and region for them yep. too. Then you have that direct assignment where you can also just enter locations yep. and kind of manually define, okay, that zone consists of that location. Okay. And then for the second, for the so zone, uh, sorry, region and, and zip code based, you can then exclude right. certain locations yep. like yep. your plant or right. your DC because you have an extra geography. And, mm. Yeah, to Marcus's point, some a lot of companies, based on, again, the way they contract, you might have, you know, three, four, five shipping points within a geographic area, and you wouldn't want to define that just as one zone because mm -hmm. you contract one rate and, you know, carrier mm -hmm. selection at that level. So there you may, you may want to exclude those shipping points from the normal geographic zone and create a zone just for those shipping points. Mm -hmm. Of course, that mechanism makes only sense if you do it for your fixed locations in the beginning when thinking about your scenario. This is nothing that you will change every day exactly. since the maintenance effort for that would be way too high and the understandability of the results of the TM. Okay, so now we defined our five-digit zip code, I think, and now it really becomes relevant. How do I define that three-digit zip code, as we said? The five-digit zip code is the most specific one, so there must be kind of a relationship to the three-digit zip code. How would I do that? Yep, so step one, you go into the zone transaction, create the three-digit zone, mm -hmm. just ID and name, description, but don't put anything in the, yeah, the three tabs underneath, right? Leave all that. Then go in and to the zone hierarchy transaction, and then simply link together the five digit to the correct uh, three digit zone. Okay. And likewise, three so digit even so it's a three digit zone, I wouldn't define that three digit in the definition, right? Yep. That is it's counterintuitive, but it's very, very important. Right, it's basically an empty zone. It's just the anchor to use it in the hierarchy. Exactly. And yeah. In, 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 so when we do lane determination, the system always works from the bottom up, starting with the, yeah, the lowest level lane. So it's important we only ever determine the five digits and then it works its way up the hierarchy. It, it starts right. with the location pairs, right? Then it then you can even define if it then it goes right. up the hierarchy and I think it also makes it different if it starts with the source going up or with the destination exactly. location going up, right? You could yep. you could have something from your plan to the five digit zip code 
Right. And vice versa from you know, the source yeah. five digit zip code to this location, then that, that makes a difference. Yeah, so if you had a five to five and a location to three, the question <laughs> is which one would it find first, right? Because one's more specific on one side and And then yeah. it's some some kind of customer you can define that sequence, right? Right, purpose, right, right. But that's already advanced then. <laughs> it is. It is. Okay, but you can define it. Okay, so we have defined our zones. I think it, it, the same principle goes up then, right? Only the first level, the five-digit zip code in our example, would be defined by geography, and everything above would be a grouping of that zone. So the, the three-digit zip code is a grouping of five-digit zip codes, the state yep. or substate, and all the way up till you define a world zone. Also. <laughs> and then a universal zone. Yeah, I think at least we have enough space in our uh, distance unit that we can cover uh, the complete universe, right? Sure, so, we can. Good. <laughs> Do we have light here, so it's in, in, oh. Well, can we easily edit? <laughs> okay. Anything else that we should know about zones? So we define how do would I define it? What is is three option define it? Yeah, um, one additional thing is uh, in general, it's not a problem within the system to have overlapping zones by definition. So if you model different scenarios, it is technically and also from a perspective okay to, for example, include one postal code in multiple transportation zones, but you should really do that on purpose. So uh, it might be in one process you want to get a specific transportation lane on that zone level being picked up and in a different process you want the other zone to be considered. But this really needs to be fought through from the beginning. So uh, as a rule of thumb, it is probably a good idea to start with non-overlapping zones. And the system will tell you as soon as you create a transportation zone where already such a definition exists. <coughs> and then you should make your mind up if you really want that or if you could kind of reuse the other transportation zone. Because, of, co uh, of course, if you introduce overlapping zones, the system at a certain point in time needs to make a decision which transportation zone in that process is relevant and that first costs performance it is harder to explain and maybe it's not required i think that the only place where it could make sense is like for different modes also right if you have this alternative yeah. worlds where you say i group for yeah. trucking with zip codes and for yeah. say rail I mean, there, there, there are scenarios mm. where that might be relevant. But then, but it's then you wouldn't yeah. have an overlap within one scenario, right? So it yep. would be, from a global perspective, from 10,000 food, it would be an overlap, but then if you yeah. go into the right. means of transport, right. it would be different. You really have to know what you're doing. And if you want to touch base quickly on uh, geocoding the zones themselves versus locations, or that's another... Yeah, I mean, the geocoding of the transportation zones is only used in TM now for displaying the transportation zone on the geomap. There's no other spot where it's relevant. In the past, uh, there were, was a very, very specific case when we used the coordinate for the transportation zones for kind of estimating the distance. Uh, but when it comes to real planning process, this is only used on the transportation uh, network object location and we completely ignore what is maintained on the transportation zone level. One more question I would have is, uh, since you have kind of like five uh, digit zip codes or quite 
there are quite some of them. Are any upload uh, mass maintenance uh, things to be considered here or yeah for for both objects so the location and the transportation zones uh, the standard bar piece are available and from my experience i mean if you know how you want to build the network it's not so complicated to write a report uh, following that pattern to create the transportation zones so there's not so much data involved to assign the definition or at first to create the zone header and then to assign the de definition to that. Mm -hmm. So of course it's kind of development effort, <coughs> but it's probably worth uh, the effort since uh, nobody wants to maintain, I guess, three and five digit transportation zones manually. Yeah. But okay. maybe Mike uh, has some experience <laughs> about it. Uh, well, yeah, we, we built yeah, custom programs using those BAPIs to, to do the mass upload for both the zone definitions and the zone hierarchy. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it's also something we can, good thing to share in the community then. No? Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. So that's the mass maintenance aspect of the zone. I think that's pretty much it for maybe just doing a little excursion to going, you already mentioned the map. So can I see that object on a map? Where would I see that? Just as a side topic. Yeah, starting with TM80, uh, we uh, introduced a GeoMap component into the standard functionality using SAP Visual Business as um, the display component. Uh, and in the menu path for the transportation network itself, uh, you find the transportation network cockpit. And this is um, from the background thought to be the central point of access for the network objects. So we want in the future that you do not access the master data transactions separately, but that you use the transportation network cockpit, search for your object, or even create the object there. You immediately get it visualized. Is it at the right coordinate? Uh, do I have the right attributes attached? then to immediately see, for example, for a location in which transportation zone it is uh, included so that you don't need to jump between transactions. And if you want to maintain process-specific attributes that you can directly open from the GeoMap, the specific master data trans uh, transaction, maintain your attributes there and then immediately come back to the network cockpit. So I think it's very useful to understand how you build your network and to get it immediately visualized and also to check uh, if the quality of the data is good enough. Okay, well, I think that uh, also requires a, a GIS backend for the map display, yep. then, right? Also not delivered out of the box. Yep. Uh, and that I think, yeah, that will be a follow-up <laughs> podcast and all that integration of GIS uh, renders. But I think that's very important in that context. Okay, so now we have locations well-defined, including opening hours. We have them grouped into zones in a good way, not uh, mixing up uh, um, the different zones, no overlap um, if not required. So we have to connect them in a way, right? So they're coming back to the transportation lane slash trade lane uh, aspect. Yeah, what what is maybe what are the two, and then what I what can I define where? Yeah. Again. yeah, so basically uh, the transportation lane has very planning specific attributes. So with what means of transport, within which validity, with which cost can I transport goods from location A to location B. 
And now here's the clue. You don't need to maintain that now for location lanes, but you can also maintain it for transportation zones and even tell the system use that transportation lane when transporting stuff within that zone. So this is a so-called transport <coughs> intra-zone transportation lane. So in a very, very, very simplified world where it would just have all locations in, in one zone, yep. no five-digit, three-digit, any digit yep. uh, zones, but only one zone, the minimum that I would need to connect the two would be all locations assigned to that zone with kind of star yep. geography assignment. Yep. And then the intra-zoning, which is then has a... Yeah, I think it's a transaction for that. If you maintain the transportation, lanes would define as an intra-zone or zone-to-zone -zone lane or location-zone lane. And then so it would be intra-zone lane. You define a means of transport. And we can come to that later. And then geography done. Yeah, right. Very often we see the newbie consultants struggling very much uh, with getting the first planning scenario to run when setting up the network for it. But as Bernd explained, you only need actually one transportation zone, one transportation lane, one means of transport for that, and then you're ready to go. Of course, you need to start in the destination locations, uh, setting up your uh, freight order then, but then already the optimizer, if set up correctly, would be able to ship that stuff from A to B. So, uh, of course, uh, most of the scenarios are more complicated, but really, if you you can define within the system a general uh, reachability with the intra-zone lane on the highest level, mm. and that is sufficient to get your first planning run-through. And I think one very important point is you said A to B, so that zone, uh, sorry, the transportation loans are directional. So when if I define something from A to B, now leaving that intra-zone world, but coming to a real more realistic <laughs> world where I have like five-digit zip code to five-digit zip code, if I have a lane from Chicago to Atlanta zone, That does not mean that I can use the same means of transport for the opposite direction. I think there, and that's yeah. a by intention. That so, is by intention. Yeah. So I have um, I define A to B. I think there's also a common newbie mistake that you, from the optimizer perspective, that all the resources are caught in one location because you have a lane from A to B but not back. So there's uh, and at the end of the day uh, a, a huge uh, collection of. Uh, resources from the optimizer perspective in B because they can go there but can't go back. Yeah, so, so you underline the importance of testing your scenario in the beginning. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Well, one additional point from the North American market. With, with 9.0, we have what's called uh, destination-based distance cost calculation, which is a setting on the, on the planning profile. And, <coughs> and just a couple words from a network perspective. What you would do there is you would define your lanes three to three, state to state, whatever we've contracted with, with the carrier. Um, but what we don't need when, when we have, when we use that technique is we don't need intra customer lanes. So what we typically do there is set up a, a, yeah, at the top of our zone hierarchy, we would have country or region level. So we would set up a lane at the US to US or North America to North America, Canada to Canada with those truckload means of transports that we use the destination based distance cost calc so that essentially all customers are connected to all customers. The optimizer can build multi-stop loads. The only trick there is we want to put a very high cost on that, higher than the cost of non-delivery because we never want to use that lane for, for planning, just, just for the customer to customer. Hmm. 
So that's already a specific topic, right? Uh, because uh, now, let's say in a normal world or without that uh, specific uh, task, if I now would have a, a scenario where I would deliver from A to B to C, what would I need? So we already said, okay, in an idle or over, not idle, in an oversimplified world, I would have one zone with one zone to zone or intra-zone lane. But realistically, if I go from Chicago to Atlanta <laughs> through something in the middle, or for example, Boston, I don't know. No? Yeah. You see? <laughs> <laughs> Interesting routing. Yeah. Um, and to avoid that routing, uh, I would set up my geography. So theoretically, what would I need? So I, I have a, you already mentioned means of transport. Maybe we should kind of spend some words on means of transport as well. So I think it, in, in Tiemba, we start with the transportation mode category, which is really air, ocean, rail, what else? Road. Yeah. That is our for mode categories. On top of that, you can maintain modes. That's already customizing. Yeah, right. Like the only example where we have two modes for the same cat is uh, inland waterway and, and, and ocean. That's but right. It's customizing. And then for then you maintain means of transport. In a trucking world, maybe that's the most important one. Uh, you would say, what, what is the granularity? What, what is the level where I would maintain a means of transport? Maybe Mike, can you spend some words on your experience of how many means of transport would I have for a typical North American trucker or trucking <laughs> setup? Yeah. So is it one per truck or yeah? What is yeah, the level it, of granularity? Yeah, and typically it would be one per um, size and type of vehicle, right? Uh, in in the U in the U.S. or yeah, in North America, the vehicle sizes are pretty uniform. We have 53 foot, 48 foot. Um, we have vans, um, and those could be what we call dry van, you know, temperature control or temp control, refrigerated, frozen, or, or multi temp. And then we also have uh, flatbeds mm. for types of products, which yeah, don't. Almost don't go sense. well in a yeah in, in a van. Uh, so at, at a minimum, and then you would have yeah, depending upon the complexity of the shipper, um, you may have that. That's all kind of on the package side. Hmm. On the bulk side, we could have a, a bigger variety, right? Different types of uh, yeah, dry and, and you know, for example bulk salt mm. would go into a particular type of container or mm. tanker liquid, obviously in, into different ones. Um, so, so that's kind of the level that, that and, and okay. it's really driven by any characteristic of the equipment mm. or vehicle that would influence the carrier that we're going to assign yep. or the rate that we pay. Yep. And, and, the rate that we pay, we want different means of transports for optimization. Okay. Yeah. But so that that could mean that I could have like uh, ten different means of transport. But I think in a transportation network, I would not need to maintain all of the ten on the lane level to uh, express the accessibility. I think we have something like a hierarchy also. So if I have yeah. like Ten different means of transport, which are temperature controlled, or non-temperature controlled, or that yeah. kind of thing. But let's say from a geographical perspective, they are the same. <coughs> I can and I could, uh, should, I think, also from a performance yeah. perspective, group them in the means of transport hierarchy, and then assign that group, uh, means of transport group, 
to the actual transportation lane, right? Right, or yeah. anything special? Yeah, we we had a, we found that the one customer were on the package side, the lanes were pretty uniform at a at a three to three, mm-hmm. but on the bulk side, because of yeah the differences in the carrier base and, and how they operate, we had to go to a more detailed level. So bulk lanes we set up you know five to five and um, packaged it three to three. Okay. So that already gives us like two hierarchies, right? One is a geographically specific hierarchy, so right. five to five. And the other one is the more specific means of transport that I have to consider. So exactly. if I set up my geography, I also have to consider that means of transport pretty early, how, how all that yep. fits together. And, right? and LTL, mm-hmm. for example, we typically set up at a shipping point to state level. Because mm-hmm. when you look at the geographic coverage and service level of LTL carriers, it's a, it's at a higher level. Hmm. So yeah, when you build your network and your transportation lanes, it, it tends to be very means of transport specific. In other words, yeah, fit for purpose. Don't, don't assume that you have to, you know, go to the lowest level and be consistent across all your means of transports. You always want to maintain the lanes at the highest level possible. Coming to that lane maintenance, I think we already said it is start location, target location, so it's directional, we covered that. It's a means of transport that I defined there, right. which can be a grouping of other means of transport. I think also things like you can maintain a distance duration, but I think that is only kind of not the straightforward case, right? Maybe some words on, on distance durations uh, on a lane versus real ones. Yeah, when creating the transportation lane and defining start and destination, um, the system is already capable of yeah, calculating a proposal out of the coordinates of start and destination, um, which you can then define as fixed. But typically, I mean, in some customer scenarios, it is sufficient to enter their uh, rough value and to get the scenario running. But typically, during planning and charge calculation, you want to have an accurate Uh, distance which is then dynamically during the process determined so these uh, fields I guess are only relevant uh, if you fix them and if you really have a process not requiring accurate data exactly or maybe intentionally can say okay, everything from that zone yep. to that or from that location yep. to that zone is considered a hundred kilometer or 24 hours uh, for for transit time because you yep. like for LTL. Yep. Yeah, right. But as we have uh, explained, to get a mm-hmm. first planning scenario mm-hmm. to run and you don't have a GIS connected, you mm-hmm. don't have accurate coordinates, and so you don't need to maintain all of that. You can define the distance and the duration. You can fix them. And already then the scheduler and the mm-hmm. vehicle and schedule, uh, scheduling routing would be able to give you a result which kind of relates to what you've maintained there. Uh, because if the optimizer is not really good with planning, with activities, with a zero duration mm-hmm. or zero distance. So we kind of need something. And if you want mm-hmm. to get a first scenario running, this uh, these are the fields to use. But in general, uh, we don't see that so often. Okay. I think that's the means of transport level on the lane, I think. But also important, and then you can maintain that optimizer cost there yeah, if right, you want right. to go that specific, right. right? And then, of course, one challenge is to get it in sync with the real freight cost and thing. Yeah, yeah. This, these are, I guess, 10 podcasts and yeah, in the future. Yeah, that's more the optimizer <laughs> kind of it. 
But I think one thing we have to mention is the carrier assignment, right? Okay. So you, it's not only that you maintain the means of transport here, but also the carrier. That's what Mike also mentioned, that the carrier uh, availability relates to the means of transport. Also. I think that is where it comes together, right? So for okay. means of transport on a specific lane, I could maintain carriers. Maybe some words from your side, Mike, on that one. So what would I define there for the carriers on that lane for, for means of transport? Is it one carrier that can that I can define? Oh, no, no, no. I could, yeah, and we, we've seen examples of from one to 10 or 20. Yeah, um, yeah it really depends on yeah, the volume, the, uh, the relationship with the shipper and the, and the, and the carrier. So yeah, that, that can be anything. Can be any, so yeah. multiple carriers, so how would I kind of bring them into a sequence or order? Kind of uh, yeah, seamlessly, uh, yeah, I mean, I know it's uh, carrier selection, the topic in itself, but maybe yeah. high level, what are the things that I can maintain there? High level, you have a couple strategies, cost or priority, of, of course, so we define that. Um, separately, there's new fields uh, as of Gato to define um, which tendering step they would go on to, a broadcast or a, a peer-to-peer mm. and, and a priority sequence there. Um, so the idea was to support, which is, again, fairly typical in North America, maybe have a set of primary carriers, mm. secondary, and maybe, maybe even a tertiary uh, carriers with different tendering strategies. Okay. Um, yeah, and of course the, the, the challenge, just to touch on, um, obviously you're going to have a different rate for each carrier. Mm. Um, we have the means of transport distance costs on the lane, which is used for optimization. Mm. So that's always a big topic on, yeah, yeah how do we, that, how do we maintain that, that rate that together? Mm. Um, and then, yeah, that doesn't include, include fuel. Um, yeah, so basically but, you can maintain the role of a carrier on that specific lane and means of transport in, in terms of, yeah, is it my primary, so I have a priority, okay. you have some planning costs for that. You can also predefine business shares and then <coughs> min-max comes in for allocations, which is then stored in allocation business share. I think yeah. another topic, not topic of today. Yeah. So the role of the carrier highlight. Yeah. So uh, to summarize, you can define very, very many attributes and uh, at the transportation lane level, which are in very many different processes and TM relevant, I guess. Okay, that's a nice summary. It covers pretty much everything, right? <laughs> it does. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I would say that with future functionality, the the concept or the mm. you know functionality of transportation and trade lanes, which are a bit overlapping, mm. will continue to evolve. Leave it at that. Good. So now we have our locations. We have them in zones. We have then connected directly, but we covered already that uh, aspect of indirect delivery, cross-docking, hub kind of thing. So how would I, and then most likely I wouldn't, or my customer wouldn't like me to cross-dock at his location. So well, how would I say, how would I define that cross-docking? We already learned that obviously the location type doesn't play a role. Even so if you call something mm -hmm. hub, it's not by default a hub. But how would I define that? Yeah, right. Uh, you don't define it uh, as you would probably intentionally expect uh, on a location itself because uh, we have more specific scenarios where you don't say by location, I am a hub, but you say uh, in the TM layer, I am a hub for a specific location 
a specific set of locations defined by a transportation zone. So to give a real-world example, if I'm uh, shipping stuff out of Germany and, by, and I plan to do that using a port, then I would say let's pick Hamburg and Rotterdam. So I would not want to define for each of my facilities uh, that I have a hub definition for each of these lo uh, locations for Hamburg and Rotterdam. But no, you would say I uh, have a transport out of Germany. So the relevant hub locations for ocean transportation are Rotterdam and Hamburg. So this is really crucial, and uh, I think it's also very important to consider the direction how you want to use that hub. Direction means uh, it's also directional, if I can use it right. or not. Do I ship stuff out of Germany, or do I receive stuff into Germany? So you always need to do it kind of in into both directions. Okay, so... Yeah. You assign a yep. location directly or through zones to such a hub right. location again, which, right. but that hub is a location right. and also shows up as a location. Right. Okay. And uh, another important thing to mention here, just by defining that hub assignment to the transportation zone, you don't automatically make it available You just make it available by defining a real reachability using a transportation lane or even a schedule to come out of that zone <coughs> to that port to stick to the um, to the example. So it's not sufficient to just go into that assignment and, and uh, automatically expect that the optimizer will consider that. There is a new functionality that I just want to quickly mention here where you can tell now the system use a rough planning duration so for example if, uh, sticking to the example i know that i always can transport the stuff to that port within a day and that is sufficient then for the optimizer to already do a rough planning but it's very important to understand the scenario that you are running here in general you need a reachability out of that zone to the port. Anyway, very good point. So we stopped at the means of transport level. Of course, for the optimizer itself, you would not only need a means of transport to, to get some, but a resource also. And all resources are assigned to means of transport. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. And new, by the way, means 9.0, right? So we are in 2013 now. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, 9.0 is out and available. Um, yeah, we have either resource assigned to means of transport or And that maybe leads us seamlessly into uh, the default route schedule uh, topic, uh, which is next. I could also have a schedule to, to get from A to B, not a single resource or so, but a schedule to get yeah. there. Maybe right. So, from that. Yeah, so a typical example that we support with TM is a multimodal transportation. So where you actually have a real truck doing your pre and on carriage, to or fr coming from the port or airport and within or for the main stage you then have a schedule defined which expresses from let's say from a carrier view my ship departs at the harbor at a certain point in time and if you want to ship stuff with my ship then you need to be there with your truck by a certain time 
So uh, we have different options in the system to express a connection or if a connection is available and a schedule is one of those. Okay. Yeah. What, what else would we have? So schedule, which is kind of a, yeah, when does my ship leave? I think something similar would be a booking yeah, order right. that you have uh, for location A to location B, freight order. Yeah would be the same thing, existing yep. one. And then, of course, available yep. resource. That would do the job on, on the lane then, right? So it's not only that we need the geography, but we also need an instance of uh, yeah, freight order, tour, yep. technically, yep. Uh, booking order, schedule, or resource to do the actual job. Then. Yeah, so the mm. connection between a start and the destination is coming from the master data side, the transportation lane or schedule, and coming more already from a business process, the business documents, freight order, or booking. So it depends on the scenario, which one you want to use. I mean, in a typical multimodal process, uh, you probably have already a booking for a specific scheduled departure yep. but if you don't uh, you still want to check all of the schedules in your system do i probably need to make a booking to transport that i mean if it's not a regular route that you're using uh, and it's something you very seldom have then probably you don't by default create the booking so maybe now, as we touched all of the elements uh, nearly, maybe we can now make like a round trip uh, coming maybe from ERP already, get our locations over, setting up geography in the model, using schedules to get from A to B and troubleshoot if that's not working. So just to, you know, high level. So once more, I would, uh, in a shipper scenario, uh, I would transfer my, uh, yeah, hmm. Op ERP object, like customer, vendor, etc., to TM. Um, I think we are one common or important thing is since we can connect multiple <coughs> ERPs to one TM, we may have to do some mapping, uh, that prefix suffixing. So since a customer and the supplier 1000 can exist in ERP, we need like a prefix for that that we can distinguish because the location ID must be unique. And since we can have a customer 1000 in ERP1 and in ERP2, I also would need uh, a suffix for, yeah, for the system, logical system typically, including the client. Then we have our location in, in TM. Next thing would be the zone assignment, right? So all locations would go into one or if intentionally, mm -hmm. uh, multiple zones. Then I would combine zones with transportation lanes for planning. Yep. And um, with that, I could already, if I have resources in a very simple scenario assigned to that lane, I could already start planning. Right. right. Okay. More is, realistically, I would have some hub locations also involved. So if I, or, but, but not more realistically, but if it's an intermodal, multimodal uh, scenario, I would define hub locations where I could switch between the different means or modes uh, of transport even, and have then between that locations, that hub locations, again, an reachability, um, which is again by transportation lanes coming from zones or directly, or schedules, bookings, uh, freight orders, right? By the way, we already talked about cross-talking. Is there a limitation? So how often can I cross-talk? Uh, yeah, this is uh, defined in the planning profile. Uh, there you can 
by scenario define how often you allow a transshipment. Of course, it's important to understand that the higher the number, the longer the runtime, because the options to transship, of course, spread out the transportation network itself. Yeah. If you crosstalk often enough, I think you can go from anywhere to anywhere yeah. in, in, in any network. Yeah, yeah probably. Yeah. I mean, in the in, in a typical flight network, it's easier to uh, go around the world with just maybe one or two transshipments, but uh, in each transportation mode, it's possible to mm. define a optimizer solution mm. really using so many transshipments. Okay. Don't do it. If it's, yeah. If you use the optimizer, of course, if you manually enter the different stages in the freight mm. unit, yeah. that's of course not a limitation. Mm. What we are now talking about is an automatic planning with yep. transportation proposal or the optimizer, where the optimizer would find or evaluate the alternatives. And of course, if I have can crosstalk 10 times, then I have a lot of alternatives uh, to be considered. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah, maybe just yeah, one thing we skipped that default route uh, thing for a freight unit, maybe uh, should we spend some words on that one? Just briefly. Um, I think we, we covered the geography, but if I have such a cross-talking scenario sometimes or pretty often, I have also have a predefined way of uh, going from A to B for a freight unit. Freight unit, by the way, was TMP001. So, who's anyone not knowing what a freight unit is, please uh, listen to TMP01 first. Yeah, I mean, a default route after we have kind of experienced that if you have a regular schedule network uh, allowing multiple transshipments, uh, we have, as Bernd mentioned, very many alternatives. And at the customer side, we see that they immediately know when they ship stuff out of that port or out of that airport and into a different part of the world. They know immediately uh, where they want to transship. And this is kind of the definition of a default route where you lay an abstraction layer over that schedule network and say in a general regular process, if I go from there to there, uh, then I will use these schedules and this is defined then in, in a default route. Except you would not go from Chicago to Atlanta to Boston as I learned now, right? <laughs> oh, very good, very good. <laughs> okay, good. So that is the, the default route kind of defines the stages through network end-to-end -end more yep. or less. So, yeah. Of course, oh, there's oh. more behind and there yeah. are different scenarios supported by that mm. and the default route is uh, used in different uh, processes and user interfaces, but I guess that is yeah, the yeah. main point for having a default route, as the name says. Okay, maybe as kind of closing section, we can uh, maybe talk about troubleshooting. Uh, so let's say I set up everything according to what we just said. But still, I I don't get my freight unit delivered. So what yeah. are my tools that I can use to? Uh, yeah. I mean, first of all, uh, it of course depends on the process where you use the network objects. Mm -hmm. If you want to check, is the master data itself okay? Uh, I mm -hmm. would again propose yeah, maybe to use. On that one, yeah? yeah, I would again propose to use the. Transshipment, uh, no, the transportation network cockpit to check it on the map. 
because you really get a better understanding is that location correctly assigned to the transportation zone if you use the standard functions available there to connect objects. First of all, you immediately see is my location at the right position, which then would probably, if it's not, uh, explain wrong distances or uh, wrong durations. If it's not assigned to the right transportation zone, you kind of see that immediately. If it, uh, I mean, you have a group of locations and then you have a location <laughs> completely somewhere mm. different in the world, you kind of get an idea that maybe a wrong zone has been picked. And then, of course, a wrong transportation lane and wrong distance and wrong vehicle resource. And... This is, I think, the, as the master data is the foundation, it's hard to tell by process how to check it. For, Of course, for the planning process, there's an explanation tool where you mm -hmm. see which master data is picked up for a planning uh, run. But for carrier selection, the error might come from a completely different side then. But if I just want to see, can I, from a network, pers network perspective, get from A to B, I would go to that... Geomap that, that yep. uh, master the cockpit will. I think there are also reports for that, right? Yeah, right. That I could use. So you have something like a find connection function in the Geomap itself, yeah. but also, of course, uh, since we uh, support the uh, product standard accessibility, we also have that function in a standard report where you can type in your start location and your destination location, how often you want to transship, and the system will give you an idea how it would link all of that hub assignments together and for each stage you will see is there a connection available or not fitting to uh, your entered uh, data. Connection was the schedule departure right. or booking or yeah, okay. right. I see, simulate if I would go from A to B. Okay, um, I think there are also some, since for performance reasons we kind of buffer some of that uh, data, I think there are also some reports that kind of in case of problems uh, could run, where would I find them? Is there a place where I would find that report or is it uh, in, in our show notes then? Yeah, I think um, all of the standard reports are of course available in the menu. Mm -hmm. So for example, to do a mass geocoding and very important for the process performance is the pre-filling of the distance used in the processes. So you sh should always, uh, after running, a, for example, ERP SIF integration for the locations, mm -hmm schedule then the distance determination if you require that data. So all of these reports are available in the menu. Of course, there are some very technical uh, consultant-related reports that you have to learn from time to time. Okay. Should, should we mention Shadow Zone? Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I think that is one of the tables that, that assignment of location to zones is in a, in a and separate that, table, yeah, and that needs to be up to date. That's yeah. important thing, and it should. And uh, yeah, if you and have, that normally should should work. It's just that's with customers with big networks. Um, it's important to utilize that shadow zone performance uh, technique. Yep. And then there's a, a report also to check it, but that's more for really troubleshooting yep. from from our side. Normally, that should be up to date. Yeah, you can also check the. Uh, community for blog postings regarding that topic. We have, I guess, for all of the topics that we touched mm -hmm. today, very specific information also, which nodes are involved and uh, some hints regarding that. Yeah, I think that's very good hint to, to kind of 
follow-up thing. So if you want to learn about geography, you go into SDN, the TM space, and then you search for MKS, Monday Knowledge Snippets, mm -hmm. which is Marco's series of yeah knowledge snippets about TM. And uh, since he's our god of geography, there's a lot of geography, geography in there. So I think that's also a lot of that and even more that we discussed, it can be found there. Tips and tricks, reports, uh, yeah. how to set up GIS. I think GIS we kind of intentionally left out today that will be a separate uh, topic, so yep. geocoding providers. I mean, we uh, at least touched uh, in the topics where it's relevant uh, and mentioned that there yeah, yeah. can be an external system, but it would be way too long today to... Yeah, to the second one. Good. Any closing words uh, except for that? But I think... Uh, Happy networking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye and enjoy our transportation network. Bye. Bye.